It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome in to the Take the North podcast presented by Odyssey. I am Dan Weeder. We're pleased today to be joined by our special guest, Teddy Greenstein, former colleague at the Chicago Tribune, now the player development manager at Points Bet USA. Teddy, how are we doing? Dan Weederer, at last we meet. What's up, man? <laughs> um, I'm doing great. You know, there is life after the Tribune. Uh, good thing going here, but uh, I'm glad you're still uh, putting in the work and making sure that the Tribune uh, sports section is humming. Um, love the work that you guys do on the Bears, and uh, great to be with you. It's less meaty than it used to be, that Tribune sports section. We're down, thin. Uh, down a little bit of manpower from the from the glory days, but yeah. on we press and on we press in a in a Chicago Bears offseason that has a lot of meat on the bone. That's part of the reason you're joining us today. Uh, Teddy, you may have heard that there is a quarterback dilemma in the city of Chicago with the Bears needing to decide what to do with their incumbent starter, Justin Fields, what to do if they decide to pivot with the draft. And that's part of the reason you're joining us today, because you are the author, the co-author with Donovan Dooley of a book called Quarterback Dads, Wild Tales from the Field. And as part of that book, you have some insight into one of the players that Bears fans are heavily interested in nowadays. So first and foremost, uh, before we tease into some of the Caleb Williams discussion, uh, just take our audience a little bit behind the scenes of what the book is and, and what you were setting out to do. Yeah. By the way, wasn't it great when my friend uh, Brock spotted you at the Illinois Northwestern basketball game and three seconds later he goes, what are they going to do about field? Like, <laughs> really, it's bro? the question I get everywhere. It's the question I get everywhere now. I'm used hey. to it. You're like jogging or you're at the, you know, the drive through line. What are they going to do about fields? Well, um, you know, I think one of the ways to, to answer that question is to look at Caleb Williams. So my book indeed is quarterback dads. Um, and I did an audio book recently with my own voice. So if nice. anyone wants to fall asleep to me at night, that's, that's the way to go. Um, you know, the, the book had really two goals. One advice for moms and dads who have athletes, whether they're football players or soccer or track or whatever, because I think all of us who are in that position want to know, you know, various questions like, should we talk about the, the game on the ride home? Should we coach our kids? Should they play multiple sports or should they specialize? So part of it is advice. And then part of it is stories about, you know, father son combos. So Archie Manning uh, and Chris and Phil Sims, and of course the Marinovich family. And then I made sure to get Carl and Caleb Williams because Caleb at that point when I was reporting on this book in 2020 was emerging as, you know, a future potential number one pick right. and Carl, a very interesting quarterback dad. It's it, it's so interesting because about a month ago at the end of the regular season, uh, I started you know doing some more of the homework into the quarterback draft class and everybody you talk to about Caleb Williams unsolicited 
brings up Carl Williams. And it was just yeah. notable to me that without even bringing up his name, people around the league <laughs> are talking about this quarterback dad. I'll read you a few of the adjectives that, that people around the league have used to describe Carl Williams. And then you can take us uh, behind the yeah. scenes into some of your reporting. He was described to me as intense. He was described to me as a lot. He was described to me as exhausting and he was described to me as involved. And so there were varying levels of, uh, you know, people trying to figure out who is this influence in the prospect that many people believe to be a uh, talent that is got potential to go to, to, to star levels in the NFL. But he has this dad who has yes. been part of his life and who has been in those words involved. Uh, and, and so I'd be curious to know um, first how you would react to those descriptions. And then second, what your kind of experience was when, when you were finally able to, to connect with Carl. Yeah. So my chapter 18 is called the quarterback dad with answers. And um, I was actually thinking about this uh, two adjectives I would use for Carl based on what I know is active okay. and savvy. Okay. Um, you know, in active. So let, let, let's take, let's take you back to um, how I start the chapter. Uh, Caleb is 11 years old. He's a running back on a team. He's doing well. He's like averaging 15 yards a carry pretty good. Um, but the offense changes and he's not involved. And there's a game where, you know, he's really upset about this and he cries afterwards. And Carl says that was unusual because the kid like never cries. So after the game, Carl and Caleb are getting together in a hotel room in San Antonio and Caleb decides, I not only want to be a quarterback, I want to be the best that's ever played. And Carl describes this epiphany as, okay, well, if you're serious about that, we're going to do everything we can. You know, you're not going to eat fast food. You're going to be training. You're going to be working out at 435 in the morning. And I am going to, you know, devote all my resources to you. And his line to me was, um, if you want uncommon results, you do uncommon things. So one of the things that Carl did was he opened a gym in the DC area. So Caleb would have a place to train. And the two of them sort of concocted this plan where everything was pointed toward essentially being the first pick in the NFL draft. <laughs> so when it came time to choose a college, it was this intense, uh, you know, planning session, the, these sessions with, uh, with spreadsheets and different categories and all this and that. And, you know, they choose Oklahoma because of Lincoln Riley, even though Spencer Rattler is there, and he's the Heisman favorite. So a lot of people were surprised. And Carl even half-joked, well, if, if Caleb has to go there uh, as a walk-on, that's fine. And it was his way of sort of saying, look, we're worried about the big picture here. And the big picture is being the first pick of the draft and making a boatload of money. So that was yeah. the first way he got involved. And then there were many other uh, down the line, too, that I can get into. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's fascinating because obviously you're the parent of of athletes. I am the parent of an athlete with a you know second one about to be joining the athletic ranks here soon as a five year old. Um, it, it's such a thin line between providing healthy push without being suffocating. And it feels like the Williams have found at least that element of it. Now there's layers yeah. to this that I want to get to beyond that, but I, I'm, I'm curious your experience there of 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 kind of knowing Carl and, and Caleb and, and figuring out how they've walked that tightrope. Yeah. I mean, one of the th things that uh, Carl talked about was attending every single game that Caleb is participating in. Now it also helped like one um, pretty wealthy family, probably upper middle class. So he had the means to do that. You know, he wasn't working a factory job for 12 hours. Also Caleb's an only child, so they could just shower all their attention on him. So Carl talked about a time where, you know, there's a middle school game 
and Carl's in a meeting and Carl's like, okay, let's wrap this up. You guys have any questions? You good? You good? <laughs> and then he gets in his car and drives 120 on the beltway to, to, to go see Caleb's game because he didn't want, to, didn't want to miss a snap. And I think kids really do appreciate that. I mean, my oldest daughter, you know, if you're, if you're in the stands, if you make the effort to go, whether it's soccer or volleyball, like she really appreciates that. So I think that was a great way, you know, to support Caleb. And then, you know, I remember asking like, Hey, when it came down to choose a college, was it your decision or was it Caleb's? And Carl says something like, Oh, it was Caleb's. He at least had the final word. (laughs) It was something like that. So you never exactly know. I mean, it was the same thing when they or he, Carl, uh, Caleb transferred, you know, I mean, he's at Oklahoma, um, Lincoln Riley leaves for USC and then it's, where's the kid going to go to school? So they interviewed, you know, 25 different coaches who were interested once he got himself in the transfer portal, everybody got an audience via zoom. And then they went to USC, even though they were a little ticked off that Lincoln Riley didn't reach out and contact them immediately after he was leaving Oklahoma. So, (laughs) you know, very mature decisions. They were decisions not based on, glitz and glamour. Although I think everybody assumed that, oh, he's going to go to USC so he can make all this NIL money and, you know, he can sort of be near Hollywood. But apparently more, it was really a decision about being the first pick in the draft. And uh, he's minus 1200 to be the first pick in the draft. So it looks like it's going to happen. Whether it's the Bears or someone else, somebody is going to roll those dice. I'm curious because you bring up a dynamic there that I think is – intriguing to people in the NFL right now. And it, and it, it's, you know, you said that Caleb at least had the final word in the decision. And so the question is, is how much is he being steered? And I think that's a question that's come up to me a lot. You know, I had a yeah. former um, executive say that the, the, the tape study of Caleb Williams from college takes about four hours to complete. And you go, yep, checks every single box that we want for a franchise quarterback in the NFL from a talent and skill standpoint. Now it's all about doing yes. the homework into the wiring, the DNA, the support system, yes. the influences. And I think there's, I don't want to say concern, but there, there's curiosity, I guess is a better way yeah. to put it, of, of what, what the support system is. And not necessarily that a, a, a involved dad would be calling a coach's office in the NFL. We all know it's a different level than college, but is he going to have different voices in his ear trying to get him to think or see things that maybe people in the building don't want him listening to or looking for. And I'd be curious to know kind of how you think that 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 juggle will will, uh, go on. I'd be really skeptical that it would be an issue on the pro level. Like in college, yes, if you have an overactive dad, and and I got into this in the book because I talked to Brett Bielema and Pat Fitzgerald, and they mentioned that like, some dads are just so annoying, some quarterback dads, that they don't even bother to recruit the son because they know what's coming. It's going to be yeah. potentially four or five years of why are you playing this receiver? And, you know, why does this system work? And who's your new OC? And what about the quarterback? Like, they just don't want to deal with that. But in college, you kind of do have to deal with the dad because, you know, the son has some power. He can transfer to another school or, or do things like that. In the pros, you just hang up the phone. I mean, there's not going to be one offensive coordinator or quarterback coach or head coach who is going to entertain Carl Williams if he is calling to offer suggestions. It just doesn't happen. So I just don't – I don't think it's going to be an issue. And I think, like, modern athletes now are, are, are smart enough and savvy enough to compartmentalize. You know, you can do a lot of ads. You can do a lot of endorsements, assuming Caleb wants to do them. And so you still have tons of time to focus on quarterback and still, you know, study, 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 study. So you're prepared. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So th- this is fascinating at a time in sports that is different because NAL entered the picture and, and now guys don't need to wait until they're a professional athlete to start cashing in literally and, and, and figuring out where opportunity is for them. Yeah. The psychology of this new athlete, I think, has got some people in an in old school thought process NFL league thinking of how are we going to manage this and, and how different yeah. is this going to be when we're trying to connect with um, – kids coming in the league who, who, who have already been given a lot at their disposal. Where do you think Caleb and his father are in terms of the psychology of that, of, of balancing the obvious demands that it takes to play this position in this league yeah. with the opportunities that are going to pull you in a lot of different directions and the opportunities that are going to be there from not only the day you get drafted, but a month and a half before you get drafted, two years before you get drafted in this case. Yeah, I assume it's not that hard nowadays. Like, I think it's tougher if you are a professional golfer and say, you know, you come out of nowhere and win the Masters. And then all these companies are like, hey, you know, we want to, you know, we want you to represent us and we need you to fly to Tokyo for this event and we need you to give five hours of your time on this Monday, which, which cuts them to practice time. I just envision now with, with professional athletes, with NFL players that like, they just control how much time they're going to devote to non-football activities. So I just don't think it's that much of a challenge now. And look, because players come into the NFL so polished now, both as players and as like spokespeople, um, Caleb, I mean, for the longest time, you know, he, his message was his like Instagram or Twitter yeah. bio, you know, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. So like, he's not going to be overwhelmed by any offers that are coming his way or any demands. Like he's probably envisioned since he was 12 or 13 or 14 years old, you know, this balance between football and endorsements. Yeah. The fear is that it'll spread you thin, right. And that, and that you won't have the time to be uh, locked in the way you need to in this position, in this level uh, Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL network at, obviously a, a reputed uh, talent evaluator said he tries to, to, to check one of three boxes, particularly with quarterbacks coming in the league. And it's, are they interested in football? Are they invested in football or are they obsessed in football? Do you have enough mm. insight to be able to figure out which box you would check, whether it be in pencil or Sharpie? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I like that because um, yeah, you better be just, what is it? Invested, interested, or interested, obsessed? invested, or obsessed? Yeah, that's the three levels. Yeah, and like if you're Peyton Manning, you're obsessed. Yep. Like you know that he's gonna. Peyton Manning is you know is in this book through his dad Archie, and I, I just love the stories Archie told. Like 
you know, Peyton is 15 or 16 and it's a Friday night or Saturday night and he's watching film and Archie's like, could you go out on a date? Could you get a girlfriend? Could you go to a movie? Like, right. Because you know, with Peyton, <laughs> you had to do the opposite. You had to just like get him less interested and, you know, because he was just so hard on himself and his teammates and just so obsessed, you know, and then you have probably quarterbacks like, you know, not to, not to pick on Ryan Leaf, who's my, my, my old colleague at, at points bet, but who, I don't know, just wasn't really focused and was really cocky and, and, and thought he knew it all. And then, you know, Todd Marinovich, who got into the league and had substance abuse issues. So, you know, he was there for God knows what reasons. But, yeah, I think you do want to be obsessed with football because if you're obsessed with football, you're going to be like Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts or Aaron Rodgers, these guys who are just hyper-prepared, you know, for everything. With Caleb, I cannot really speak to that. That's That would just be me speculating. Um, you know, USC – was interesting those two years uh spectacular first season very poor second season and i don't know if that if some of that was on him i mean he certainly had games where he didn't look great like notre dame and i don't know if that was a teammate issue or a him issue it didn't not great for him that you know replacement comes in and throws for six touchdown passes in the bowl (laughs) game but considering he's massively favored to be the first pick it seems like that's not you know scaring the nfl away and his height is not scaring the NFL away because right. he's going to measure it what right about six feet we think. Yeah, I think yeah, six feet somewhere, maybe six and a half, and 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 so then you have the you know I think there's a lot of people in the league that feel like you can make up for some of that height deficiencies by things you do within your offense. You 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 get him in a system that allows him to take a deeper drop, see things a little bit better, sure, and go down that route. You brought up Todd Marinovich, and that name was on my list because obviously that's like the extreme case of a dad that was overly involved and ultimately right. did damage to his son's yes. psyche and, and everything about his life going forward. I'm sure that crossed your mind as you were doing this entire book, but particularly with a, an yeah. involved dad like Carl Williams, how do you distinguish between the far reaching extremes of, of right. a Marinovich family and, and maybe something that's on a, on a much lesser scale uh, with these other dads? Yeah. I mean, the big thing is just like the first 11 years of the two kids lives. So, I mean, when, when Marv's wife gets pregnant, he decides that, <laughs> whatever's coming out of the womb is going to be an NFL quarterback (laughs) and everything is pointed toward that. You know, he's like feeding, feeding him cold liver in his crib on his, (laughs) on his teething and stretching him out. And, you know, anytime there was a punishment, it was just push-ups and sit-ups, which is probably a good idea. And, you know, very limited social calendar. And whenever he goes to a birthday party, he brings his own cake and, you know, all this just kooky stuff, you know, whereas with Carl, at least the way he tells it is until the age of 11, there was really not much pressure on Caleb to be a football player. And he wasn't even a quarterback until, you know, 11 or 12. Um, And it was just at that point when Caleb was the one who decided he wanted to be a great player, Carl threw all his resources behind him, as opposed to Todd never deciding he wanted (laughs) to be a great football. It was decided for him. So, you know, there are a couple parallels here, but uh, big picture, not that many. What, 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 how would you describe your interactions with Carl and kind of the, kind of the feelings you had um, co- coming away from them? Yeah, I think I got a hold of him via Pete Thamel, you know, of ESPN. I think Pete probably said, hey, talk to Teddy. He's doing this book. And I remember Carl being pretty easy to, to get a hold of and talk to. And, um, you know, at one point I was like, hey, let's, you know, let's go through this. Let's fact check. And. I just remember him being easy. Um, 
I didn't try to talk to Caleb. I just kind of didn't really want to get in the way at that point. Um, and it's really more a book about dads, but, um, we had smooth interactions and, um, yeah, I found it nice to, nice to talk to very, you know, intelligent guy, savvy guy, certainly knew what I was looking for with the book. A lot of good anecdotes in that chapter about the relationship. Do you have uh, one or two that uh, that stand out to you? Obviously, you mentioned the one when he was 11 and crying and then making that decision. Is there uh, one or two other ones that uh, that illuminate something in your mind? Um, you know, I mean, just choosing Oklahoma was something. Um, you know, th- this also w- was interesting. I mean, Carl said part of the reason that he was determined to go to every one of Caleb's games was because his father didn't go to his games. His father was involved in the civil rights union and he was a pastor. So he was really too busy. And um, I think it's also generational, right? Like our parents didn't go to all of our games. And now a lot of guys, Dan, like you and me, like a lot of guys our age, it's like, oh, we got to go to practice or we got, you know, all these things that you wouldn't even have considered going. You can't miss a tournament. You can't miss this. You can't miss that. So part of it is generational, but I, I just love that support. And then also, you know, it's a little weird in terms of the family with this whole um, deal with Superman, which was his nickname. Right. And, uh, you know, I was just rereading the chapter. I'd forgotten about this. Like, Carl wanted Superman to be Caleb's middle name. Okay. And their <laughs> wife, you know, the mom nicks that. But it, it's still S is the middle name. I, I mean, S is the initial for the middle name. Um, and then, you know, the dad uh, trademarked, the family trademarked several things related to Superman and some logos. So I can see where like NFL fans are saying, Ugh, really, you're like trademarking stuff when the kid is, you know, in high school or early college and probably rolling their eyes, but it's the modern day. And, you know, Carl had this vision and the vision really has worked out. So uh, Caleb has already been a success business-wise. I can't imagine how much money he's already made. Right. Despite well, not having, he's not in the NFL. <laughs> And how much money he will make is the first pick. It's funny. I said to uh, a league source, I said, you know, the, the pad that he had in Southern Cal looked pretty nice from from the photos I've seen of, of what is NIL money. And, and the, this person said to me, uh, I've been told that wasn't the only one that he had. Yeah, so so there might sure. be multiple residences in Southern Cal that, that people are going to have to look into. I, I, I do have a question about that because I do. Yeah. I hear you speak about. Um, their business savvy and their business drive, I guess, to some extent in terms of the things that they wanted to accomplish and are accomplishing. How much do you think that the the drive is based on riches and fame versus competitive success, if that makes sense? Yeah. I mean, I've seen Carl on that Dr. Pepper commercial. I'm sorry, Caleb on that Dr. Pepper commercial. I don't really know what else he does. I I don't know if he has a bunch of companies lined up, but I mean, I will say this, like Carl, you know, one of his quotes to me and I'm sure other outlets, you know, he said, he said, it's not about NIL, it's about NFL. And I'm sure they wanted to make some money, you know, when he's at USC, because why not, right? If other kids are doing it, why not make some money and, uh, you know, help that pad or those pads get paid for. But it was always about being the first pick in the draft. And like, Carl talked about this. He he thought the salary cap was going to be rising in 2024 because there were some TV deals up. Like he was doing independent research related to this. And um, you tell me, I mean, if he's the first pick in the draft, what is his guaranteed money? What kind of contract is he is he looking at, do you think? 
Yeah, well, I mean, the number one pick is going to be, you know, what we're dealing with now is you're going to have your CBA oriented structured rookie deal, which is going to be similar to what Bryce Young got a year ago. And that's not the deal that's going to make you the jackpot guy. You see now, by the time Caleb finishes his third season with where it's headed, uh, you know, the Joe Burrows of the world are, are signing $270 million contracts yes. right now. Three years from now, that's going to be north of three. It could be 350, you know, and so yep. I think that one of the goals, obviously, of teams that are interested in potentially drafting Caleb Williams is to get him to his second contract, right? That's obviously yes. the goal. And you being a lifelong Jets fan, no, it didn't quite work out with Zach Wilson. Us in Chicago know that it may not work out with Justin Fields. Guys, a couple of years ago that looked like you're going watching them go through the pre-draft process and go, man, ton of potential here. And then life comes at you fast and that potential dries yep. up and you go, boy, what are they going to make? How long are they going to st stick around the league? So it's that second contract that is the, the yes. payday. And so I bring that up because I think I I've talked to a couple of people that say if you could get this young man to just lock in entirely for the first two seasons of his career on football and just tell him, don't do a commercial. Don't take a, a business deal. Just be be micro focused on this. And trust me, go look at all the stuff that Patrick Mahomes is doing now. You know, like that money will come to you. It will flood through your doors sure. if you reach the level that you think you can reach as a player. So can you do that? Can you be micro focused? It seems from kind of the, the things that that you've learned and, and talked about that, that that's going to be a little bit of a tug of war to try to to pull back from that in the name of getting it up the road versus taking advantage of some of the riches right away. Yeah, needless to say, I've never been an NFL quarterback. <laughs> I would imagine that, you know, there may be five days in May where you can actually take off <laughs> and do some endorsements. I mean, I, I don't know how many Mahomes does. I mean, we certainly see all the State Farm. Yeah. But um, I think guys are probably able to to do multiple things. And, and it's even, dare I say, healthy to have hobbies and to play golf and to do things, you know, that are not constantly related to football in your off season. So sure. I think it can be done. I mean, I'm sure people were waiting for Travis Kelsey to, you know, have a bad postseason because Travis Kelsey does, you know, half the ads you see on TV. Right. And his regular season wasn't great. Um, he's back in but his postseason. Right. So it's just hard for me to believe that you can't, you can't have both. Yeah, no question about it. Well, I could talk to you for hours about youth sports and uh, being a youth sports dad. You, you brought up the anecdote earlier about not talking to your, your kids about the game. It's one I try to live by and one I rarely succeed at living by because I, there's always three or four coaching points right after a game where I, I like I always – start with the positive and then we're not two blocks from whatever venue we've played at now say you know you remember the, remember that one play where you threw the you know the one-armed baseball pass three quarters of the court like that's situational yeah. awareness that we got to kind of kind of uh, work on you know and, and, yeah. and, and <laughs> hey i i wrote the book and i struggle with it i mean one time uh my oldest daughter l um you know pretty good travel soccer player she plays defense and you know she let someone beat her and there was a goal scored and I'm standing right next to the dad of the goalie. So I kind of feel bad. So I was just like, L, be better. And she like <laughs> turns around and says, you're not my coach. And I'm like, you're exactly right. So we all struggle with that. I mean, I think I'm good 98% of the time, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. every once in a while you're watching a soccer match and, you know, and there's a referee who is just like, it's like, you gotta be bleeping me with some of this stuff you're calling and not calling. Um, and now I really am. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now I really am good in the car. I don't bring it up unless they bring it up. Um, 
you know, I have my youngest is actually a, a very a, quite a good athlete. Give me a good volleyball player, but her soccer coach was all over her one time. I texted him. I'm like, "How's Emmy doing?" He goes, "No respect and no effort in practice." I'm like, "Wow, okay." <laughs> so we're gonna have a little talk about that. Because yeah, gotta have, Emmy, gotta address that. Emmy's good on game days, but is uh, a bit of a slacker in practice. So yeah, there are times. I mean, one thing I always do is I always support the coach. Yeah. Like whenever they're ragging on their coach and I'm always just like, Andrew is so good at this. He's, he's a great coach. He knows exactly what you need. Because I think once you like criticize yeah, you the coach, agree. then, then the young athlete is going to be like, Oh, well, my dad doesn't even respect the coach. So why should I? My wife laughed at me, kind of rolled her eyes at me last summer. And she's like, you know, I got to compliment me first before you criticize me. I said, you're such a good teacher. You're such a good coach. But sometimes you talk to him like he's 25. He's 10. <laughs> and I said, okay, yeah, that's, a good, that's a good note because, I, you know, sometimes it's, it's it, you know, I, I won't get into it. But you, you share a little too much. And, and, and sometimes they need to be uh, protected from that a little bit. Before I get you out of here, we've got a yeah. Super Bowl to, to play in two weeks. And you work at a company yeah. that, that may be interested in the Super Bowl. Uh, in a couple Man. of weeks, I'm curious what your what your initial thoughts are on the matchup, Chiefs 49ers, and then uh, whether there's some things at points bet that that folks should be aware of as uh, as we cross this bridge into the biggest football game of the year. Absolutely. Well, to answer everyone's first question, no, we don't have odds on the national anthem. <laughs> those are only on those are only on other books. Usually, you know, the overseas books because that's one of those markets where people just go in the day before and they record the thing. And, um, and then they will, you know, ha have a better guess on the over under, but we will probably have every other imaginable bet. And like one thing about points bet is we have an option called points betting, yes, which some of like our savvier clients get into some of our like mathematically based guys that I think is really fun and differentiates us. So let's say, Dan, t tell me how many passing yards you think like Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for 272, 272. So let's say um, we go in and uh, the over under on that is 250. All right. So you think he's going to throw for more than that. So um, it works as a multiplier. So instead of just a straight over under, it, it is per yard. So let's say you're so confident in that you bet $10 on the over and the over is, is 250. So then it would be 10 times 22. So it's just a really interesting way to 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 bet that's like different than what the, what the other sites have. Um, but in terms of the game, I mean, look, I went into that last week taking the Ravens minus minus yeah. points. Actually, you know what I did? I only bet the first half. I had Ravens minus two and a half in the first half because I was worried about a Patrick Mahomes comeback. Well, yeah. it turns out I should have been worried about Patrick Mahomes the whole game. Right. Uh, and now I think the public is just like, I, I can't bet against this guy. So the line opened. San Fran giving two and a half. And last I saw, it's now San Fran giving one and a half or one just because taking a flood of money on the Chiefs. Also last week, I had the Lions plus seven and a half and the Lions money line. Absolutely, incredibly fascinating Dan Campbell decisions, most of which I despised. And I'm sure you've, you've <laughs> talked and written about them. Um, so I think for this game, you know, the average public guy is going to just say it's Patrick Mahomes. Um against Brock Purdy and I'm yeah. betting on Mahomes. But clearly, I mean, if everyone was doing that, it would be the Chiefs minus three. So I wonder what the Sharps are going to come in with. If the Sharps are going to come in and say, I, I get it, it's Mahomes. He's unbelievable as an underdog. He's great, you know, away from Kansas City. But San Francisco has the better team. Um, I bet a lot of – there's going to be a lot of money on Debo Samuel MVP. People are going to think, all right, the 49ers are going to win. He has to have a big game. 
So uh, I'm fascinated to see how it shakes out, and I want your early take. Well, it feels like $100 every week on a Christian McCaffrey anytime touchdown would have been the best investment uh, from September until now that anyone in any market of any investment firm could, could have made, would have, would have ever yeah. would have ever had. Uh, obviously, that dude is, has been the engine a lot of things that they're doing. I, I, I'm stuck, Teddy, because, I, again, I think the 49ers are the more complete team. Uh, they outplayed the Chiefs the last time they met in the Super Bowl for uh, most of three quarters, and then Patrick Mahomes took over. And so it's just yes. it's one of those Jordan-esque mindsets where you're like, it just yes. it feels like suicide to bet against the guy because yes. he just knows how to figure it out. That was my theory going into the Ravens game. The Ravens were the more complete team. The the, the Chiefs were vulnerable. They were on the road, and, and you just yep. felt like if any time that they were going to go down, it was this. They scored two touchdowns on their first two drives, and they, they I, like I said on our – podcast earlier this week they turned it into a belief game and when you're in a belief game against the chiefs 90 percent of the time the chiefs are going to win because they believe because they've got the experience and the results that give them that belief i don't know where to go i've got another uh, 10 or 11 days to kind of make a pick and, and and file it and figure out where we go but it's it just I, I it's just hard to ignore that that patrick mahomes factor in all this and yet the chiefs scored 17 points <laughs> i mean it's like you know, just when you want to say it's like, oh my God, you know, Mahomes just yeah. rises, brings everyone up to his level. Like, it's still not a great offense, um, right? But the Chiefs' defense is really good, and you know, the Ravens called a terrible game. What if the Ravens, you know, ha- had called the kind of game they were accustomed to? Would they? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot going in. Sometimes I just go into these games thinking I'm just going to live bet it. I'm just going to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait, and then finally pounce. I did that. Bills Chiefs. I went into the game betting on the Bills, and then when the Bills had that second down uh, late where they needed a field goal to tie, I jumped on the Chiefs. I was like, I was like, first of all, Bills aren't going to win this game, even if they make a field goal. The Chiefs and Mahomes have the ball again, so I'm going to see if I'm disciplined enough not to go heavy before the game and just to do a lot of live betting. Before I get you out of here, do you have a prediction on who the Bears quarterback will be in week one of 2024? Yeah, I think it's going to be Caleb. Like, I think the Packers game was probably revealing for Justin. Like, for me, I'm hoping it's Justin. I think you know what you have. You have a playmaker. You have a guy with great size and skill and speed and strength. A guy who, you know, when I read Bears coverage, sounds like everybody likes him. He's a good leader. He's a hard worker. Um, you, you turn that pick, that number one pick into something really, really good. Um, and you build your team around, but I think conventional football wisdom is not to do it that way. Like the wild card here that I think about is Jaden Daniels. Like I think Jaden Daniels is incredible. And I mean, if the bears really want to throw a curve, you trade down to three, right. Where you can probably hit Jaden Daniels. Then you've got all that draft capital from the first pick and you get what you can for Justin Fields, and then you've really got this stacked roster, and maybe Jaden Daniels turns out to be uh, an all-timer. So that one would uh, that one would fascinate me. You could do both for sure. Well, the website is PointsBet. If uh, you're looking to get down on any action here in the next few weeks, obviously the Super Bowl is followed closely by March Madness, so there'll be a lot of action there. The book is Quarterback Dad's Wild Tales from the Field by Donovan Dooley and our guest Teddy Greenstein. Teddy, thanks a ton for joining us. I hope you enjoy the Super Bowl and this next stretch of uh, next stretch of action. Absolutely, and hey, 
Anybody wants an account, DM me at Teddy Greenstein on Twitter. I will hook you up. <laughs> had to do it, Dan. Had to do it. Um, great to be with you, man. And um, love their chat. Let's do it again. Always good connecting. That's Teddy Greenstein. I'm Dan Wiederer. This is Take the North. Great talk. See you out there.